Hi everyone, I'm your co-host Rach. And I'm your co-host Rebecca. And welcome to another episode of Ember Island Sayers. This week we'll be talking about Season 3, Episode 9, Nightmares and Daydreams. In this episode, Aang's friends try to help him relax when his anxiety over the imminent Fire Nation invasion disrupts his sleep. Meanwhile, Zuko learns of a war meeting to which he was not invited. (laughs) Or was he? (laughs) Or was he? (laughs) It's like one of those implied invitations, but Zuko has no social skills, so... Ah, that makes sense. Anyway, before we get to Zuko and his lack of social skills, we do have a very special Sokka's Poetry Society. (laughs) I really don't know how I'm going to get through this one, but I'll try my best. Okay, I am going to mute myself so that you won't hear (laughs) me laughing. Okay, well, I have to preface it with something at first. So I took some inspiration here from Dua Lipa. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, the song New Rules? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I was thinking in my head, I was like, I kind of want to do something like counting down the number of days they have until the invasion and like what's going on with Aang. And then I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I can do this to like the tune of new rules. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm not going to sing it though, but. Oh, now I'm sad. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's too much pressure. All right, so it's it's titled Four Days Till Invasion. I actually gave this one a title this time. All right, all right, let's hear it. Okay. One, don't forget your pants. You know you must remember to be confident. Two, don't drink from that flask. Climb that cliff and climb it fast. Three, don't go to sleep. You know you're going to scream into the fluff of a koala sheep. And if you hear Momo, go jump in a waterfall. <laughs> god the koala sheep hit me really hard but i had myself muted so you couldn't hear oh boy that was great thank you and i was just laughing because the beginning of that song also just like fit so perfectly because at the beginning the lyrics are talking in my sleep at night making myself crazy out of my mind out of my mind the accuracy oh my god so I was like, this is just perfect, and I ran with it, and I'm very glad that I did. It's excellent. It's excellent. I think that uh, it is genius, and um, I think it and my poem from the desert are like best friends. <laughs> yes. I also feel like, I don't know, I'm going to give Weird Al a run for his money first with Goodbye Zuko, which if you missed that. <laughs> I think that's on our Twitter somewhere, but it was to the tune of Goodbye Stranger and was sung from Zhao's point of view. (laughs) Yep, yep, it was great. And now I have this one, so it's just like, Weird Al had his whole thing with Star Wars while I have mine with Avatar. (laughs) I love it so much. So, uh, are we going to start with... Aang and his uh, new roles, or are we going to start with Zuko and his lack of social skills? Hmm, this is hard. I guess we'll start with Zuko. Okay. Get it out of the way. Yeah, yeah. 
so let's travel then to the Fire Nation, where Zuko is waking up in the morning, I guess. Being pampered, basically. Yes, yes. And, you know, this is obviously a very big struggle um, for Zuko. He is being waited on hand and foot, and then he walks out of the palace, um, and he sees a bunch of, like, adoring people. Oh, yeah. Some fangirls and some fanboys. I, I liked that, you know, they didn't discriminate based on gender. Everybody loves Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> this is when you need to share what your alternative pick was for the Ever Island <laughs> playlist. Yeah, my alternative pick, I said I should have chosen If You Seek Amy by Britney Spears because the lyrics are love me hate me say what you want about me but all the boys and all the girls are begging too and you can fill in the blank with that last lyric the boys and the girls indeed yeah we do see this one woman who is particularly excited to see zuko and she has to kind of get dragged away by the guards and i think this is just my personal opinion that she should hook up with foamy mouth guy that might be um a toxic relationship just too much fan girling and boying going on oh do you think so <laughs> and then we get to see zuko is going to visit his girlfriend slash next door neighbor mm-hmm. i thought this was so funny it just reminded me of that one meme that's like What's wrong, babe? You didn't, like, do this. Have you heard that mean? No. Well, that's basically what the, I guess, the servant said to Zuko. They were like, what's wrong? You didn't take the palanquin this morning. Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Rich people. <laughs> just And just Avatar things. Just Avatar things, <laughs> yes, that too. Yeah, he uh, says that he's going to go visit May, and they're like, oh, you should take the palanquin to visit her, even though it's, like, literally right next door. But apparently Zuko isn't supposed to be walking. I guess it was, like, amongst the commoners kind of thing, so that was probably part of it. Like, he's probably free to stroll at leisure around the capital in the palace, but... He has to be in the palanquin when the commoners are out. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, the whole thing. But, you know, we are getting this kind of insight into Zuko's life, I guess, before he was banished. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it really shows why he was acting like a brat when he was a refugee, because he went from one extreme to another and... That's kind of difficult to adjust to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In his uh, not very long life so far, he's already experienced quite a lot of change. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which honestly is good for people, you know? They should experience that kind of thing, but... Hmm. <sighs> he didn't really seem to learn from it. <laughs> does he ever learn? <laughs> he does. He does. He's He's just struggling. We gotta remember, Zuko struggles. <laughs> so he takes the palanquin to May's house, which, as you mentioned, is right across the street, if you even want to call it that. <laughs> and then they have a little, little hangout, little date, which is very cute, actually. It is super cute. They're kind of lounging together on the sofa. 
and they're sort of snuggling up to each other and even like they have like this QC almost baby talk but not because it's like Zuko and May goth talk yes <laughs> yes Zuko asks May what she wants and she asks for a fruit tart which I was like yes we stand yes yes that is a great great thing to request with rose petals on top fancy and i don't even think it's about the fruit tart as much as it is she's just enjoying like asking for something outlandish right right (laughs) and she can get whatever she wants basically so and i apologize for lucky squeaking in the background uh following this they have a little bit of a conversation and uh this is when Zuko finds out something that he did not know before. Yep, there's going to be a war meeting. And, you know, they were just, like, cuddling, having a good time. And after this, Zuko just shoots up and is like, What? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, May just casually mentions it. Mm, yeah, she, well, she thought that he knew about it. Right, because Azula told her about it, so... But it turns out he didn't, and he gets hung up on the fact that he wasn't invited to this war meeting, and what does that mean? And as May also talks about later on in the episode, he doesn't have a good history with war meetings. No, not at all. (laughs) He's only been to one, and that didn't turn out great. (laughs) No, that's an understatement. So he is extremely hung up on this, and he interrupts their date to (laughs) their cuddling time I guess to go and see his sister about it yep yep I'm sure May was very annoyed with that (laughs) I feel like their dates keep getting interrupted by Azula even when Azula isn't there (laughs) yeah so Zuko goes to confront Azula who is getting a royal hair combing which looked very relaxing. It kind of reminded me of when you go to get your hair cut and, like, they shampoo your hair. Yes, it's so nice to have someone else wash your hair. I was thinking this is what Aang needs, actually, in this episode. <laughs> yeah, they're trying all these different ways to calm him down and uh, it's uh, not working. So, you know, maybe this would have been an option. Yeah, so he comes storming in and is like, what's going on with the war meeting and why wasn't I invited? And Azula's like, dude, you can go. Like, (laughs) you don't need somebody else's permission. (laughs) Those were her actual words. Dude, you can go. Yeah, I love how she tells him not to be dramatic as if that's something Zuko is capable of doing. Yeah, she just tells him basically like, just go. Um, You're kind of expected to go. I thought when I kind of first watched this that she was trying to manipulate him in a way, uh, that maybe she was just trying to convince him, like, everything's okay. But it doesn't seem like she is from what happens later on in the episode, so I'm not really sure about that. No, I don't I don't think so either. I think she's just sitting very, very comfortably right now and is like, alright, Zuka's freaking out again. Like, I have one up on him once more, so... Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it was also because we see her without makeup again, so it made me think about that scene that we had seen previously um, Mm. and how she kind of dealt with Zuko then, so I thought she was kind of doing the same thing. But 
in this case, uh, it's just Zuko didn't really understand the situation. Yeah, and we'll see in the next few episodes. She has a little bit more up her sleeve and, you know, Zuko isn't privy to some of the conversations that she has with Ozai. She knows a lot more than he does, I think. Right, and I think that's what's giving him anxiety in some ways is the fact that he doesn't know what's going on with his dad. Like, he's trying to understand whether him not receiving an invitation means something that, like, his dad is suspicious of him or something's happened. Right, yeah. I think, you know, it can be upsetting for several reasons, and one of them is definitely why you brought up and the last war meeting he went to was a disaster and he probably feels like his dad doesn't want him there for a second time because he was an embarrassment honestly so he doesn't know where he stands if he's really forgiven or if Ozai is thinks he's redeemed <laughs> In Ozai's eyes, of course. He's definitely not redeemed in ours. No, no. <laughs> or Iroh's. No, poor Iroh. We haven't seen Iroh for a while. I'm interested to see what he's got up his sleeve as well. But yeah, you're right. He has plenty of reasons to be worried about this, I guess. And it's it's frustrating to watch, but it's like, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do too, in a sense. But it is just a little bit... Um, I think it's just getting a bit old because we've now seen Zuko have the same crisis like for three seasons. You know, it's all about how he wants his father to perceive him. And, you know, we then cut to Zuko talking to Mei again and he's kind of filling her in on what he talked to Azula about. And she points out to him she's like why do you even care about this meeting you know and she brings up the fact that like you know war meetings haven't gone very well for him in the past but i think it's a good example again of may being that person who's kind of a bit grounding for zuko yeah she's really trying to cheer him up and i commend her for that like she is trying to find ways to distract him which i think can be good for Zuko at some points, but he's really not snapping out of this one. <laughs> no, there are some parallels here, actually, because she's sort of trying to come up with ways for him to feel better, and that parallels the other story that's going on with the gang, and where Aang's friends are trying to come up with ways for him to feel better, too. Yes, particularly Katara. <laughs> yes, particularly Katara. I do think there's a little bit of, like, romantic parallels there. Yeah, um, I thought that was definitely something that they were alluding to. And I think it's ultimately it's people who care about each other, right? Um, May cares about Zuko and Katara cares about Aang. And so they're trying to do whatever they can to help the person they care about. And she even suggests ordering servants around. <laughs> She's so sweet. Super adorable. Those poor servants, though. <laughs> I hope they get paid well. I do, too. Yeah, I, I guess they're servants, not slaves. So, you know, I hope they at least get paid something. 
they seem pretty happy, but they could be faking it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? But but what if it was just your job to like be the guy that hands Zuko towels? <laughs> I don't know. That seems like a pretty easy job. Easy, but maybe you would get like some I don't know repetitive strain injury. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Or, like, the girls that comb Azula's hair. Oh, my gosh. They would definitely get repetitive strain injuries. (laughs) But, uh, anyway, speaking of servants, there is a servant that then comes in to interrupt this conversation uh, between Mei and Zuko. And he tells Zuko that the meeting has started, the war meeting, and everybody's waiting for Zuko. (laughs) I actually think this is the next day. Oh. Well, I think, yeah, I think they're talking at night and then it's the next day, which kind of like implies that he spent the night at May's house. Oh, I did not pick up on this. (laughs) You can't see me, but I'm wiggling my eyebrows. I had to get that one in there for the Mako shippers. Interesting. Interesting. I, in my head, it was the same day. But, uh, yeah, okay. Wow. You're like, where do we go from here? <laughs> uh, then I guess the servant interrupts Zuko's morning with May. Yeah, and tells him that the war meeting has started and everyone's waiting for him. Yeah, that's awkward. <laughs> Just a little. May and Zuko kind of give each other a smile, like, oh, yay, this is what we wanted kind of thing. And... The next scene we see is him coming out of the war meeting after it's over. And May, the sweetheart that she is, has been waiting outside the whole time for Zuko so that she can catch up on what went down. Yeah, what a sweetheart. Um, Again, it's her showing that she cares about him. Which we talked about, like, way back in the first episode of season three. So... She asks him how it went, and Zuko is never happy, apparently. That's actually one of his lines in coming up in an episode. Of course it is. Of course it is. Accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, you know, he was annoyed that he didn't get invited, and then he did get invited. In fact, he said, you know, everyone was waiting for him. And then he gets to go. He says, I'm at my father's right hand. He's treating me like a perfect prince. But... But I wasn't me. Mm. Finally. Finally! (laughs) Your eyes are being opened a little bit here. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) No, I really do think so. Okay. I just, you know, I kept thinking that Zuko would get better for the past, like, two seasons. And you kept being like, no. So now I've kind of lost hope, I guess. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just like, okay. (laughs) We can't lose hope. No, we can't. Think about Katara's speech. That's true. And the serpent's past. That's true, that's true, you're right. Katara and Princess Leia, they know that we can't ever lose hope. But, yeah, I mean, I guess that's good if he's starting to see that there's something wrong with where he is currently. I mean, he did acknowledge in the beach that, like, he is exactly where he wants to be, but he's still not happy. And I think he got, like, the perfect example of this in this episode. The perfect 
kind of situation that he was put in and was like, hey, wait a minute. This is, this is everything I thought that I wanted, but it's not turning out at all how I imagined it. And yeah, there's definitely some doubts creeping into his mind, I think. I think more than that, honestly, at this point. Based on what we see in the next few episodes, I know you don't know what's coming, but I do. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I know that we are, we're nearly halfway through the season, and I know that at some point Zuko has to make a turn, so I guess that, you know, there's a ticking clock on it, like it has to happen sometime. <laughs> yeah, and it'll be revealed to us eventually what happened in that war meeting. Okay. So I think that's another kind of huge part to it and Zuko realizing what's going on behind the scenes. So we will park that conversation for a little bit. I thought you were going to say park that palanquin. (laughs) (laughs) I could have, I should have said that. Or, you know, I could just say it and then you could edit it in as if I'd always said it. But yes, you're right. We should park the palanquin um, of that particular story. And uh, let's go to the gang, shall we? All right. So we open up once again on another hybrid animal. (laughs) (laughs) They always, they love those openings with the animals. Yes. And this time it's koala sheep, which are so cute. They're really, really adorable. They look like, well, they look like sheep, but they also remind me of uh, the Pokemon uh, Mareep. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but yeah, we get to see these koala sheep and they are hanging out in this uh, location that Sokka tells us that he and his dad, because they are the awesome father and son idea guy duo. <laughs> Heck yeah. Love them. They picked out this place together because uh, they were looking for a good place to have the invasion of the Fire Nation or actually rendezvous to talk about the invasion of the fire nation and there are several reasons why this is a good strategic location yes it's uninhabited by people and it's kind of like a good launching spot not too far from the fire nation capital so and they're surrounded by water so it's also a good way for hakoda and the crew to get there because they're on a ship right now so right right and they said there are cliffs around as well which kind of shield everything from view so that's nice yes very good job Sokka and Hakoda <laughs> they're awesome and they're also there four days ahead of schedule this made me laugh so much for all the freaking out that Sokka did I know they're four whole days ahead of schedule <laughs> I guess he underestimated Appa and how fast Appa can fly. <laughs> oh, maybe that was it. Yeah, he didn't realize quite how fast Appa was. He didn't do the ca- calculations correctly. <laughs> He's like that Azula meme with the man. <laughs> no. They're there four days ahead of schedule, which is cool. And most of the gag is pretty relaxed uh, about the fact that they're four days ahead of schedule. Whereas Aang has just realized that there are four days to go until they invade the Fire Nation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I guess he wasn't looking at Sokka's schedule too closely. No, no. (laughs) Well, I'm kind of the same way. It was like something that I'm dreading. I just kind of like put it out of my mind. 
And then when it comes creeping up on me, I'm like, that was stupid. Why did I do that? Yeah, I do that too sometimes. I think it's pretty common. It's how we cope, right, with things that we don't want to do. We're just like, I'm not going to think about that right now. And then you're like, oh dear. Yeah, Aang is basically freaking out. Yep. Everybody is like, all right, we need to go to sleep. So Aang kind of concedes and is like, all right, they're right. I need to get some rest before this invasion. And he falls asleep, and this is where we get our first nightmare in Nightmares and Daydreams. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in this one, Aang is dressed like Goku from Dragon Ball Z. I feel like I'm not enough of a weeb to know all of the references in this episode. <laughs> no, I'm not either. I looked some of them up, so I can share some of the ones that I looked up a bit later. A couple of them I knew. This was the only one that I like really knew because I have watched Dragon Ball Z. And I've mentioned Dragon Ball Z on this podcast, so I feel validated now. But uh, yeah, there were definitely a lot of anime references here. Yeah, I was, like, reading them all on Avatar Wiki, and I was thinking, sorry, listeners, I'm not going to be able to get all of these references. (laughs) I don't want to be a poser. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's fine. I think we can, you know, mention them. There is actually one reference that I'll get to that um, I only know about because of the comic book couples counseling podcast. So that's kind of fun. I was like, oh, it's that thing. But this one I know fairly well because I know Goku. And I love that uh, Aang had Goku's hair, which was fantastic. Yeah, I love that in all of his dreams, or nightmares rather, he had this very exaggerated hair besides the one that is a serious PTSD dream, but we'll get there. (laughs) And it just, it made me think like, that's probably how he feels in real life because he's been bald his whole life. So his very short haircut probably seems unruly right now. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. It's probably strange to him to have um, any kind of hair. Yeah. He looks very different in his dream. And then also Ozai who appears in his dream looks quite different too he's almost like a giant chibi version of Ozai. yeah <laughs> which is rather disturbing and he's eating grapes which i love just like chilling and eating grapes and then ang proceeds to have the very famous dream or nightmare i guess where he realizes that he's not wearing any pants it's very funny <laughs> i feel like such a common trope and a common dream. I know a lot of people have this dream. I've never had it myself, but in psychology class when we did study dreams, of course, we mentioned this one and it was, it represents a loss of control, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never really had any dreams like this one. And also like some people have dreams where they're like naked in random places as well. And I don't really tend to have those uh, either, but uh, it definitely makes sense as an interpretation. I also thought about the fact that Aang is talking about how he doesn't have pants on, and there is a slightly different interpretation of this in the UK, because if you don't know, in the UK, pants are underwear. 
rather than trousers. But it seemed like actually the Aang and then later Ozai was wearing neither. So does underwear just not exist in Avatar? I wonder. No, because remember when Aang went swimming in the Kyoshi episode and he like took off all of his outerwear and he's had like the that little underwear on oh yeah oh yeah well maybe what they did was they made the episode this way so that it worked in the uk and in the us Mm, that makes sense it works for both definitions of pants okay so anyway ang wakes up and understandably this nightmare has made him even more anxious than he was before yeah and he Really can't go back to sleep, and I can relate to that, because if I have a bad nightmare, then it's kind of impossible to go back to sleep. So he starts training instead, like kicking a bush or something stupid like that. Yeah, I noticed when he was um, training that he has definitely gotten more muscular than he used to be. Yes. And I guess he's probably been training with Katara and Toph. He's also gotten older, I guess. Yeah, I guess when you train with Toph, you're bound to get some muscles. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. She's pretty hardcore. He starts training, like, he wakes up before everyone else and is training super early in the morning. So then when everyone else wakes up, they're like, Aang, what is going on? Yeah, and he's just, like, punching a tree. And Katara comes over to him and is like, uh... Hey, Aang, how long have you been awake there? (laughs) (laughs) She uh, is that friend who reminds you that self-care is important. Yeah, and then they kind of check in on Aang, and Aang tells them that, you know, he's going a little crazy because he realized that he isn't really prepared for this invasion that's coming up. Um, He mentions that he doesn't know how to firebend properly yet, and he doesn't firebend uh, anymore. And I like that Sokka is like, well, fire is a stupid element anyway. <laughs> Sokka is just so nonchalant. <laughs> and we'll have more jokes about that in the future. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> because I'm sure, you know, Aang will eventually have to learn firebending. So. Right, right. And I think I know who teaches him firebending. And, you know, everyone else is kind of telling Aang to calm down, but it's not really working. Nope. So then he very cutely (laughs) bows to Katara and Sokka before he makes an air scooter and like runs off to train by himself. And then we cut to nighttime when everybody else is already asleep and Aang kind of collapses on the ground and then proceeds to say goodnight to everyone. Yes, yes. Uh, he tells Sokka and Katara and Toph and Appa and Momo and... <laughs> and Appa and Momo. <laughs> Before Toph yells at him to go to sleep already! <laughs> you know, thinking about it, I think this is why later on she gives him that back pounding because she's just really annoyed. <laughs> yep, it was revenge. Uh-huh. I think that's what it was. I frequently say this line before I go to bed. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Except instead of Appa and Momo, I say, Good night, Mira. Good night, Wiggles. <laughs> Good night, Wiggles and Mira. Yep. Love it. If Wiggles could hear, she'd scream at me to go to sleep already. 
he does go to sleep, but unfortunately, he has another nightmare. Yeah, this one's kind of in the same vein as the first one, where he's all dressed in a weird costume. Do you know this reference? Because I have no idea. (laughs) So I thought it was a Naruto character when I first saw it, which the Naruto fans are probably hating me right now. But... (laughs) It's actually not. Um, I looked it up and it's a character called Vash the Stampede from the anime Trigun, who I am not really familiar with, but I remember that when I was into anime, there were some people who were into that character. So he was like vaguely familiar to me, but uh, that's what it's based on. I think it's kind of an old anime, so this is probably something that like one of the creators or something watched when they were younger. I did think Aang with earrings was kind of a look. <laughs> Aang can rock so many looks. We've talked about this. He rocked the Kyoshi yes. Warrior makeup. He's just a very fashionable person. And then in this stream, there is a slight twist, which is that he does have pants this time. Which are like chained to his body so that Ozai can't, you know, burn them off or whatever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> But this time, he has to do a math test. I have had the didn't study for a test nightmare before. Me too, (laughs) yeah. And also the um, arrive late for a test. And also the, I guess I just have a lot of nightmares about tests. But also the nightmare where you like, you start a test and then you look down and then you look up again and like the test is almost over and you haven't done anything. Oh no. (laughs) I haven't had a lot of those, but I still get a reoccurring nightmare where I am, like, doing a play, and I forget my lines, and I'm like, I haven't done a stage play in years, and I still get that nightmare. It's very frustrating. Oh my gosh, yeah. I think these things are just ingrained in you. Yeah, and I'm sure Aang hasn't, you know, done a math test in years either. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But he apparently uh, gets freaked out by that. And so he wakes up again and understandably is maybe even worse than he was before. Mm. Yeah. And this time Katara notices that he wakes up and she goes to consult him. And at this point, I think she can tell that you know, he's not taking very good care of himself, so she appeals to another side of him, and she tells him to sleep for her, and I was like, this girl knows exactly what she's doing. (laughs) (laughs) She gives him the puppy dog eyes. She does. It's very sweet. (laughs) Very sweet. And, And it works. Yes, it does work. You're right. And she kept her arm around him, and she walked him back to camp and told him, to go to sleep again, which I thought was very sweet. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty cute in this episode. Yes, just a lot of very affectionate touching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, Zuko and Mei too. That's another parallel, I guess, between the two. Aang does go back to sleep again and has another dream. You know, there are many nightmares in this Nightmares and Daydreams episode. And this time Ozai actually looks like himself. But he's riding on a hippo cow. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. I guess Aang really didn't like that hippo cow when they were in the headband episode. <laughs> you would think that it would be like a vegetarian creature, but it's not. So. 
quite violent. It, like, spits fire and everything. Yeah, given that, like, hippos and cows are kind of vegetarians. But anyway, you know, Aang wakes up again, and I think we don't get to see all of his nightmare this time, because he starts to tell the rest of the gang about his nightmare, and it was very involved. Oh, yes. So first he wakes up Sokka, (laughs) who has a weapon in his hand again as he wakes up. I feel like this is at least the third or fourth time that this has happened. It's kind of like a running gag at this point. Yeah, poor Sokka, who is just constantly paranoid about something trying to kill him. And then Aang tells Sokka that he needs to work on his rock climbing skills. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because in his nightmare, Sokka was really bad at rock climbing, and he almost died. Yeah, that's rule number two in my poem. (laughs) Yep, yep, very important. He tells Sokka that he needs to practice rock climbing. Sokka's like, I'm a great rock climber, which, hmm, not sure about that. And then, meanwhile, the other people have woken up and uh, Toph is drinking from the flask, (laughs) the aforementioned (laughs) flask. And Aang is like, don't drink that. Um... tells the whole story about how they died in his nightmare because of Toph's tiny bladder. He probably got that from Sokka telling them they couldn't take bathroom breaks. Oh, you're right. You're right. Sokka traumatized him. Yeah, so he's kind of driving everyone a little crazy because, you know, it doesn't really make any sense. And just because he dreamed about something doesn't mean it's actually gonna happen. Yes, but to Katara's credit, she's extremely patient with him in this episode. I think she's really the only person that doesn't get annoyed with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I think she just gets it, and she knows he has a lot of pressure on him right now. So she kind of tells him, like, hey, Aang, you're losing your mind a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Aang has this line, which I thought was very relatable, which is, it's like, every time I think about how stressed I am, I end up more stressed. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. That checks out. And relates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so Katara, kind of paralleling what we talked about with Mei and Zuko again, uh, she recommends to Aang, she says, why don't we go and do some yoga stretches? Which was another moment where I was just like, wow, sometimes Katara and I really are the same person. (laughs) Yes, and this is right after she was about to fight Sokka because he was just like, yeah, you gotta fight the Fire Lord who's like the biggest, baddest person ever. And that really sucks. Good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Sokka's so nonchalant in this episode. Again, you know, sometimes he lacks a little bit of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. But Katara makes up for it, so... Yeah, thank goodness. And, you know, Suki has emotional intelligence, so I'm sure he'll be okay. Yes, so they go to do their yoga, and it's actually hot yoga, because they go to this very steamy-looking area of the island. Actually steamy. (laughs) Yes, not, you know, the other kind of steamy. (laughs) It doesn't go super well. No, I think yoga, regular yoga would have been good, but hot yoga just reminds Aang of fire, which is not great right now. (laughs) No, no, that's not what he wants to be thinking of right now. 
and he kind of ends up just passed out on the floor. And then Katara suggests that maybe he needs to talk about his problems. Uh Uh-huh. And then we get uh, Dr. Wang Fire showing up as a therapist. (laughs) I feel like Sokka really takes on these characters, but it's like the utmost stereotype of all of them. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not a qualified therapist, so basically all he does is just, like, listen to Aang, and he's like, hmm, interesting. And he never breaks character, because Aang is trying to talk to him like he's Sokka. (laughs) Like, Sokka's like, oh, why are you feeling stressed out? And Aang is like, you know why I'm feeling stressed out. (laughs) But Sokka absolutely refuses to be Sokka, so... He commits, you know, when Sokka goes for it, he really commits. His advice to Aang is uh, to scream into a koala sheep, and it doesn't really help either. No. So then we move on to the next kind of solution that they come up with, which is Toph about to kill Aang before Ozai gets the chance. Yeah, she gives him a uh, back pounding, which is not at all relaxing. No, and that has to be extremely painful considering, you know, he got shot in the back with lightning. Oh yeah, true. He has like bruises and stuff on there and scars and things. And then that doesn't work, so she gets a baby porcupine. Which is much cuter than the adult version that attacked Appa. (laughs) Yes, yes, much cuter for sure. Yeah, and she is about to suggest acupuncture and Aang just runs away. (laughs) I made a note here that I don't think he's actually afraid of acupuncture because he got full body tattoos when he was 11. I think he's afraid of Toph (laughs) administering acupuncture. That's a really good point. I hadn't even thought about that. But yeah, it's definitely Toph. It's not the acupuncture itself. I feel like that's so valid, though. Oh, yeah. I I would not trust Toph to do any kind of relaxing massage, acupuncture, just anything that would happen in a spa, I would not trust Toph with. All of this didn't help Aang at all. I think he's worse off, actually, because he didn't relax. It just stressed him out. And he falls asleep again. It's nighttime. And this is when he has his really awful, I would say, PTSD dream. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this one brings in a lot of elements of the past as well. And kind of calls back to things that happened to him, like the things that we saw in the episode The Storm. With a few, like, weird things, like we have Giant Momo for some reason. Giant Momo was in one of his dreams before, too. Oh, I forgot about that. So, it's kind of a mixture. Um, There's some interesting things as well with... I noticed that they have all four elements in this dream. um, Because Toph... Her hair kind of gets blown around and then she falls into a pit, which is kind of like air. And then Sokka gets covered in like mud. So that's kind of like the earth. Katara gets consumed by fire. She's got like fire all around her. And then Aang is frozen in ice, which is water. So you've got all four elements and also the callback to 
what happened to Aang in the first place. Yeah, yeah. He gets stuck under the ice in his dream, and I think this definitely mirrors how he was found at the beginning of the show. I think that's really cool that you picked up on the four elements thing, because I didn't really think about that. But Yeah, and it's probably him, like, thinking about his duty as Avatar, and he's supposed to know these four elements, and he doesn't really have a great grasp on that. So it's, again, him losing control. And he's also just really worried in general about his friends and them being hurt which I think has been a fear of his for a while. Yeah, that's definitely a consistent thing with Aang. Katara is tied with fire pretty closely because of the fact that Aang decided not to fire Ben because he'd hurt her. Yeah, and at the end of his dream, he actually sees book one Zuko, who is sort of looming over him, which just shows how traumatized he was by being chased by Zuko throughout that whole first season oh yeah yeah that's a good point and one that people should remember Zuko was pretty traumatizing for all of them in that first season so uh, yeah we get to see ponytail Zuko again fun times the whole dream ends with Momo going shh which I use a lot as a meme but it's pretty scary actually <laughs> it's a little creepy it is a little creepy this is kind of the last straw I think for Aang understandably, because this nightmare is completely terrifying, and he kind of decides that he's just not going to sleep because of it. Oh boy. (laughs) Also not a good idea. But, you know, when you're just having these nightmares, it's almost like you're not getting any rest at all. I feel like I'm that way when I wake up from a nightmare and it feels really real, and you're, like, exhausted when you wake up. Mm -hmm. I've definitely had that feeling before as well. But, you know, we know that being awake for long periods of time can do weird things to your brain. As evidenced by the chase episode. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And as evidenced by what happens next. So we get our first daydream next, actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, yes. Feeding into the title. It's Aang and Katara. uh, Basically, they're talking and part of it is actually happening. Katara is asking him about his dream I think but then it kind of transitions into this scene which would be like a shipper's dream I think I definitely remember all of us Katangers flipping out and then it just falls apart a few seconds later (laughs) I'm so sorry I mean I was kind of confused because it was so kind of casual in the episode Mm. and like nothing built up to it and I was like this is odd I feel like it doesn't quite feel right. It doesn't. It definitely doesn't. Because one minute they're just kind of talking and then the next minute Aang is like, I've realized a lot of things and I'm in love with you. And then they just start making out. So. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. And then we get the amazing line. Baby, you're my forever girl. I had seen people talk about this line, like, because I end up seeing a lot of Katang stuff because of you. And so I had seen, like, 
people making jokes about this and like it as a caption on things and I was just like I don't understand what this is about this is some kind of reference to something but I don't know what it is and it also doesn't sound like something Aang would say no so that's why I was especially confused I was like is this like a fandom thing did someone make this up what is going on Yes. He's a little too smooth in this dream, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's smooth, as we've established in the headband, but not that smooth. Yeah, it's a little too smooth. And I think another indicator that something is off here is the fact that he's the same height as Katara in this daydream. I didn't notice that. That's funny. I think that's pretty cute. In his head, he's the same height as Katara. He will be one day. Don't worry, Aang. You'll be taller than her one day. Yeah, and she doesn't care. No, she doesn't. <laughs> Katara doesn't care at all. She's not shallow. <laughs> no, no. Again, there's nothing wrong with being short. That's the other thing. Exactly. Short kings unite. Exactly! <laughs> Eventually, he snaps out of this daydream, and he has to come up with a cover because Katara is like, Hey, Aang, what were you thinking about? <laughs> Imagine if he was just like, oh yeah, I was thinking about making out with you. <laughs> I think Katara would probably take that as a joke. She'd be like, oh, funny, good joke. But yeah, instead he tells her about his dream that she was underwater. Yeah, they were living underwater. <laughs> and Katara very earnestly is like, that sounds mean. <laughs> Which is just adorable. I know. She's just, like, so genuinely invested in Aang. Then we cut to the next scene, which is Aang training with a picture of Ozai. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's actually Noodle Ozai from the headband. Oh, is that what it was? I couldn't tell because it didn't look like I couldn't see the individual noodles, but it looked kind of similar to that. I don't know why, but this part just sends me from the whole episode. This is the part that makes me laugh the most because for some reason they saved Noodle Ozai. <laughs> for this, obviously, so that Aang could have something to practice with. Meanwhile, Sokka is building up some armor in the background, which he had also talked about before. Um, so that's kind of a fun callback. Yeah, a lot of things come back in this episode, which is really fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And this is when we get another daydream because Aang is trying to stay awake this whole time and it's obviously kind of making him hallucinate a little bit. And he hears this creepy voice talking to him. Momo is talking to Aang in human speak. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. Well, it's all D. Bradley Baker, right? Yeah, what a legend. He does the animal voices and the human voices. <laughs> I don't know. This whole scene is very, very funny. Um, because he starts talking to Momo. And then we kind of go to everyone else's perspective. And it looks like he's just chittering at Momo. Yeah, he rubs his eyes and then Momo's not human speaking anymore. <laughs> and he's like, oh, let me explain, Momo. <laughs> And then he starts making lemur noises, which is amazing. And it's really not clear at this point, like, what is a hallucination and what is not. Everyone else, like you said, they're extremely concerned about Aang because he's sitting there talking to his lemur. As you do. That could be normal. 
But the fact that he's trying to speak lemur is a little off. This is when Appa also decides to speak. Appa, who's standing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As you do. (laughs) I have an air freshener of Appa standing, which is pretty great. It's it's vanilla scented. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. It sounds great. Then, I think, comes the most epic part of this whole episode, I would say. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. This whole sequence, I was just like, what am I even watching? I don't understand. I told you, this is Avatar on crack. It really is. It really is. Basically, what happens is, Appa and Momo have a samurai fight. And I'm sure this is probably inspired by a bunch of different things, and I'm not getting all the references that are in there, because there are many. I did see some stuff on Avatar Wiki about um, basically suggesting that this was inspired partially by Star Wars. And that may be true, but also Star Wars was inspired by Japanese movies. So Mm. I think that there's, you know, a lot of... Uh, connection between those two but one thing that was kind of cool that i did notice was that um momo looks kind of like a character called miyamoto usagi who is from a long-running uh comic called usagi yojimbo and this is a comic about a anthropomorphic samurai rabbit I think it just, it kind of looks a lot like Usagi because um, Momo has the big ears, right? So they're kind of folded over and it looks a little bit like <laughs> like a rabbit. I don't know that much about Usagi Yojimbo, but it was covered on comic book couples counseling. They covered one of the couples from uh, this long running comic series and they really enjoyed it. So I was kind of excited that I managed to get this reference. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. The only reason I know what Usagi means is because of Sailor Moon. Right, Usagi (laughs) means rabbit in Japanese, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then they proceed to have this fight. In the middle of the fight, a bunch of stuff happens. Uh, Yeah, this part just cracks me up. Like, I ugly laugh every time I watch this, especially when Momo screams. I don't know why that part just makes me laugh so much, but... I think there is another part that uh, tickled your funny bone a little bit more. <laughs> I saw in your notes. <laughs> yeah, the part that really got to me was chakras, chakras. Everybody loves chakras. Aang really is a few plums short of a fruit pie. <laughs> he really is. He really is. Because Guru Patik shows up in this uh, daydream. And he has many arms, which as a kind of serious side note... Um, is actually meant to look like, I think, the Hindu goddess of knowledge, Saraswati. You might have seen before, she's often depicted with, like, a bunch of arms. That part is pretty cool, but just the fact that he just rolls in and starts singing. I wonder what the voice actor thought when they just, like, brought him back for to sing this one line. <laughs> He's really hallucinating so many strange things. There's, like, moving rocks that you said, I think this is pretty accurate, they look like Onyx, the Pokemon. And then Noodle Ozai, who is attached to a tree, starts coming to life. And the koala sheep are cheering for Appa and Momo, and it's just a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. I'm sure they had fun with this sequence. Oh, yeah, the animators? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
The fight had to be really fun, too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the whole thing kind of culminates um, in, as you said, so many things happening all at once. And then Aang decides to go jump in a waterfall. <laughs> My notes picked up again when uh, the gang have set up a nice little retreat for Aang, but he thinks it's still a hallucination at first. Yeah, well, there's, like, mist all around, and it's this very fluffy, cloud-looking bed, so I can understand why he would be a little bit wary of that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I saw in your notes that you had an idea about where the mist might have come from. Yeah, because it was only swirling around the bed, so I wondered if Katara bent it. Aww. Just for Aang. (laughs) That would be so cute. I bet she did. That seems like something she'd do. So they have sheared the koala sheep. (laughs) I felt a little bad for the koala sheep. I was like, I hope they're not cold. Yeah, and they crafted a very comfortable looking bed for Aang. Yes, yes. And he is kind of a little bit reluctant to rest still. um, But this is when his friends give him some reassurance. Yes. They say you're smart, brave, and strong enough, which... Ugh, it just makes my heart happy. (laughs) That scene is really, really sweet. It's just always nice when we get to see the gang, I think, supporting each other. And, you know, they're this lovely little found family. And it's always nice to have moments between them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And he finally has a bed. Yeah, you keep pointing out that, like, Aang doesn't have a bed. And he actually does manage to sleep. Well, I mean, he was pretty tired, so... Uh, it makes sense. But this time, he has a final dream where things go a little bit differently than they did before. Yeah, this time, <laughs> Fire Lord Ozai is the one that isn't wearing pants. <laughs> yes, yes. And then Mark Hamill gets to scream, My royal parts are showing! I didn't even think about this until I saw your notes because I I guess I don't really associate Mark Hamill with Ozai even though I know he voices him but I just don't think about it when I hear him so I was like oh my god after I saw your notes uh I just imagined that he definitely had a good time recording that yeah everything else Ozai says is quite serious so this was probably a very fun episode for him yes I bet I bet um Yay! Aang finally has a good dream, and he finally gets some frickin' sleep! (laughs) Yay! And yeah, and it seems like he's now feeling a little bit better about the upcoming invasion. We did it! Well, well, we haven't done anything yet. Um, The invasion's still coming, so... (laughs) But, you know, in his dream he vanquished Ozai, so that counts for something, maybe. We made it out of this episode alive, which is good. Are we ready to pick our MVP, do you think? My inclination would be the rest of the gang for all the help they gave Aang. Mm, I was just going to say Katara. Okay. Yeah. I think she was the most helpful. (laughs) Obviously, they all came together at the end and they helped, but Wang Fire and Toph's acupuncture were not very good. That's a good point. Katara was the most understanding person. Yes. And, you know, she was probably the one to come up with that idea at the end with the bed, so. 
I'm sure Sokka and Toph helped to shear the sheep, but um, oh yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. Let's let's go with Katara as the MVP for this episode. That's why she's his forever girl. This is very out of character for Aang. Like we've seen him panic a couple of times, but not to this extent. Yeah. So it's not like a regular occurrence where she has to be like, hey, Aang, calm down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think she knew it was just like this temporary, really bad anxiety that he was going through. And I like this episode, too, because I can relate to Aang on that level of having anxiety. And it's just nice to see people who really care about him and deal with it in a really nice way in the end. Aww. I like that a lot. All right, so let's move on to our playlist then. I think you should go first, and you have a great pick this week. Okay. (laughs) So I picked one of my favorite songs ever. This is on my Never Skip playlist. (laughs) Nice, nice. (laughs) It's just so good. Of course, it's an 80s song. So I picked Sweet Dreams Are Made of This by Eurythmics and of course this is about Aang and it's pretty simple song you know it's the lyrics are kind of repetitive but it's still very very catchy and I think that it fits some of the themes and the chorus is sweet dreams are made of this who am I to disagree I've traveled the world in the seven seas everybody's looking for something It almost has this kind of ominous feel to it in a way. It was initially not going to have the bridge. Annie Lennox, who wrote it, said it was the song that she wrote in a very dark part of her life. But then she added the bridge to kind of give it this more hopeful tone. And the bridge is, hold your head up, keep your head up, move it on. And that repeats. And I think that kind of reflects what's going on with Aang, how he sort of overcomes these bad dreams and he's able to have some hope and move on at the end. So that's my pick for this week. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know that about uh, that song, actually. Um, That's a cool little bit of trivia. Yes, I just found that out and I was like, ah, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Annie Lullix is great. Um, She is truly a treasure all right what about you um so my song that i've picked has a really long title which is kind of unusual for me because i don't actually like songs with long titles (laughs) yeah it kind of reminded me of fallout boy or something i know i know (laughs) yeah so it's not a fallout boy song um but it's called hold on when you get love and let go when you give it and it's by stars and I actually, because everything goes back to X-Men, I first heard this song on a playlist that someone created um, of Jean Grey related songs. Uh, I thought this one did apply to Jean Grey, but I also thought it was a good one for this particular episode because of this idea of friends coming together to help you and the importance of love. You know, the song starts and says, there's been a lot of talk of love, but that don't amount to nothing. You can evoke the stars above, but that doesn't make it something. And the only way to last, and the only way to live it, is to hold on when you get love, and let go when you give it. 
that's really sweet. Yeah, I thought that was really nice too. And it made me think about how Aang is with love too, in the sense that I think he does hold on to it when he gets it and, you know, lets go when he gives it. And that's like the purest form of love, you know? There's also a few more lyrics that I thought kind of applied, which were, uh, it's a pretty melody, it might help get you through the night time. Uh, that's <laughs> And there is another part that I really like, which is, take the weakest thing in you and beat the bastards with it. And that also reminded me of Aang because I feel like he's the kind of person who would kind of use something that he is maybe scared of or um, that could be considered a weakness and he would use that to triumph. So I don't know what's coming, but I just felt like that kind of fit this idea of, you know, an upcoming battle. You can't see me, but I have hard eyes right now. I love that. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. All right. Can't wait to listen. (laughs) I think you'll like it, actually. It seems like the kind of song you would like. With that in mind, let's talk about next week's episode, because next week we have a battle coming. Next week is very exciting. It is. It's extremely exciting. We were saying this a little bit before we started recording, but this episode, Nightmares and Dreams, was kind of this respite from... (laughs) A lot of dark things that happened before and some dark and serious things that are going to happen after. So they were giving us a silly moment in the midst of the seriousness. Yes, yes, absolutely. (laughs) So next week's episode, we're finally to the invasion. It's the day of Black Sun, part one, the invasion. This is really, you know, the first part of gearing up for this very big plan that they've had in mind for several months now and everyone really preparing for what's to come and there's some really cool moments I think you'll be excited of course that Hakoda and Sokka are reuniting get to do some scheming together and a lot, a lot, a lot of old characters come back in the next episode, which is really, really fun. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, we get to see people we haven't seen since book one, which is great. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away because it's just fun to watch it all play out. But I'm really excited for you to see it. I think you're really going to enjoy it. You know what's interesting for me about this is that I haven't really been spoiled about these episodes. The only thing that I know or suspect but slash know is that it doesn't go super well for them because I know that um you know there is more to come after this. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Otherwise the show would be over right if everything went perfectly. Yeah but you don't know like why it goes wrong or maybe somebody messes it up, you know? Yeah, I don't know any of that. So it's kind of interesting. I'm going in a little bit blind, which is kind of cool. That is really cool. I'm I'm very glad. (laughs) You know, we don't really care about spoilers, but it is more fun for the podcast in a lot of ways when you get surprised. Yeah, yeah. Uh, As long as it's good surprises, then I don't mind. I am stoked. (laughs) I'm probably going to watch this episode like three times. (laughs) All right, so until next time, you can find us on Twitter at Ember Sayers, where Rebecca tweets out the MVPs slash MVPs of each episode, and we love to interact with you on there, so please shoot us a tweet. 
You can also email us, emberislandsayers at gmail.com, if you want to send something longer, and we will gladly read it out here on the podcast, unless you don't want us to. We are on multiple platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we would love a five-star rating and a review. This really helps people find our podcast, and we would really appreciate more people listening. So... We have a big one coming up, and I can't wait, but until then, I'm going to tell you guys to stay flaming and don't forget your pants. Stay flaming and everybody loves chakras. Are you also thinking of X-Men? <laughs> yes, I mean, always. Um... It's a compliment. <laughs>